This is the To Health With That, Naturally Healthy in No Time podcast for big health topics taken in small bites. I'm your host, naturopathic doctor, Amy Nuzel, and this is season one, all about the MTHFR mutation. This week, I want to talk a little bit more about homocysteine by the numbers. So these past few weeks, we've gone over general information about MTHFR and homocysteine, the link between methionine in your diet and homocysteine, and new information that's coming to light about MTHFR, homocysteine, and COVID-19. What we haven't talked about is homocysteine testing and parameters. What's normal? what isn't, and what's considered normal but maybe shouldn't be. Homocysteine tests are a simple blood test. They can be ordered by your doctor. It must be performed fasting for accurate results. A lot of doctors neglect that, or they forget to tell the patient that that's important. Any protein that you eat before your test can skew the homocysteine numbers because, of course, the methionine in your food may cause a temporary spike in your homocysteine levels. So the best way to ensure that your homocysteine test is fasting is to schedule the blood test early in the day before you've eaten anything. 8 to 12 hours of fasting, like you would get overnight, is the best for the most accurate results. The current medical standard in the U.S. is a normal range from 5 to 15 micromoles per liter. Anything above 15 micromoles per liter is considered high, or hyperhomocysteinemia. There's a growing body of evidence, however, that the normal levels should be adjusted. A study published in the New England Journal of Medicine shows that carotid artery thickening and stenosis begins to increase for men by 9.2 micromoles per liter, although the risk for women seems to be stable up until 11.4 micromoles per liter. You'll notice that both of those are significantly lower than 15 micromoles per liter that's considered normal. And so again, the risk increases at 9.2. A meta-analysis published in the Journal of the American Medical Association shows that for every 3 micromole per liter decrease in homocysteine, there is an 11% lower risk for ischemic heart disease and a 19% lower risk of stroke. That's really significant. A strong linear relationship uh, exists between homocysteine levels and death in patients with coronary disease. The lowest risk group has homocysteine below 9 micromoles per liter. There's that number again. And the risk increases from there, both within what is considered the normal level and outside of it. Homocysteine lower than 9 micromoles per liter is a 3.4% risk of death in patients with coronary disease. Homocysteine 9 micromoles per liter to 14.9 micromoles per liter is an 8.6% risk of death. That death risk just doubled. And homocysteine above 15 micromoles per liter, which is the current upper end of normal, is 24.7% risk of death. So that's really significant, right? We jumped from 3.4% risk of death under 9 micromoles per liter, to (laughs) 24.7% above 15. Yeah, wowza. Okay, so that is an increased risk. And again, risk increases at 9 micromoles per liter. 
Also, the study we discussed last week dealing with homocysteine levels as a predictive marker for worse outcomes with COVID-19 also showed an increased risk for pathological lung changes on CT at 10.58 micromoles per liter. That tells me that quote-unquote normal is not actually ideal, right? What we're looking for is optimal. All of the risks for negative health outcomes seem to be lowest around this 6 to 8 or 9 micromole per liter mark. So I am going to call that optimal. Now you may ask, if homocysteine is so bad, why aren't we aiming for zero? Let's like, let's zero this out, right? Let's get down there. Well, too much homocysteine is bad, for sure. And with MTHFR, homocysteine, high homocysteine is the direction that we usually trend. But remember that homocysteine is actually absolutely essential. If your homocysteine is too low, which is called hypohomocysteinemia, then there are also health consequences. Without homocysteine, you cannot make glutathione, which, as I'm hoping you know by now, is absolutely crucial. It's one of your main defenses against oxidative stress. And without glutathione, things go sideways really quickly. Homocysteine is also the precursor for something called alpha-ketobutyrate, which is a vital ingredient in the process that makes cellular energy. Very few studies are done about low homocysteine levels, and when I say very few, I can count them on two hands. That's really rare for research. But by far, the most interesting one shows a link between low homocysteine and peripheral neuropathy. It states that fully 41% of people with low homocysteine have peripheral neuropathy, which is hugely significant. In my opinion, this implies that the lack of glutathione and consequent difficulty with free radicals is leading to higher levels of inflammation and therefore nerve damage. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a link emerge between low homocysteine and chronic fatigue as well, but that research has never been done. The bottom line is that we need homocysteine, but too much of it becomes a big problem. Aim for 6 to 8 or 9-ish micromoles per liter. Next week, we'll talk about ways to lower your homocysteine levels if they're too high. And if your homocysteine has ever tested low, I would love to hear what you have to say about it and hear your comments. Here or in Genetic Rockstars, our amazing MTHFR community. Thanks for listening this week, guys. And if you haven't checked it out yet, do go to community.tohealthwiththat.com for Genetic Rockstars. It's an amazing community of folks with MTHFR, and I've already learned a bunch there, which is awesome. And I'm hoping everybody else has, too. It's a really great group of people, and I think you'd like us. See you there. Bye-bye.